You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi on the Stitcher Radio Network. Welcome, everybody, to Treks in Sci-Fi for March 31st, 2013, episode number 430. I'm Rick Moyer, and with me, my co-host today... Jedi Jeff, or uh, Jeff Job from Canada. We have teamed up once again. We haven't been together on a podcast in a long time. No, it's been a while. Too long. I've been in cohorts with my co-host of the Ragtag Fugitive Fleet, Chris, so much that... I just feel bad I haven't hung out with you in a long time, Jeff. So I'm so glad that you're here today uh, along with me to talk about a, something near and dear to both of our hearts. And I think a lot of people that listen to Treks and Sci-Fi are going to get a, a big kick out of our subject this week. Yeah, we're talking about Star Trek ships. And for this uh, this podcast, we're going to focus on Enterprises. And you wouldn't think that there would be that much information on the Enterprise to do a whole podcast, but guess what? You would think wrong, because there is a ton of information on the different types of ships over the years, uh, the different incarnations, and uh, we're going to talk about them right here on Treks and Sci-Fi. So welcome, everybody. Yeah, welcome, everyone. Uh, Really looking forward to getting into this topic. Now, Jeff, you have been a Star Trek fan since you were young, yeah? Uh, yeah, I've been a Star Trek fan for, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say how many years. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? We start talking about that and people go, I know how old you are. Well, do you remember the first time you ever saw the Enterprise on screen? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It was just like, wow, that's uh, it's quite the ship. Like, Because uh, it really didn't look like uh, your typical um, kind of spaceship. At all. More to rocket type kind of ships. Yeah, that's well, that was what was out back then was, I mean, the actual rockets that took you to space, you know, were the the big like, you know, um, Apollo rockets and the what do they call them? I I used to know all my rockets and now I don't. But uh, they were really cool looking, but they were like a single looking, you know, tube with a nose cone on it. And then at the very end was the, you know, the module where they would, you know, go to the moon and stuff on and all that jazz. So it wasn't, um, I remember the first time seeing the Enterprise on the original series and thinking, that is so odd. It's like a flying saucer with rockets. Exactly. Apparently, uh, actually, that's a little bit of uh, trivia here, is apparently Gene Ronberry, when he was uh, coming up with the uh, series, he actually specifically stated that he didn't want a ship which had rockets 
jets or fire streams. And wow. he also, he didn't really want that look of like the classic Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon type ships. With the sparklers hanging out the back? Yeah. Like say so he wanted something a little more um, reality based, I guess. Right. Uh, for better, better uh, use of words, I guess. Now, do you know, Jeff, who came up with the original design of the Enterprise? Uh, was that, uh, what, Matt Jeffries, was I, it, or I, he's who the, was it? Yeah, I think so, because he, he did the, that's what they named the, the, uh, access tubes after the Jeffries, oh, yeah, the the Jeffries, Jeffries tubes. tubes. Yeah. I was wondering, why did they call them that? And then I read a thing about that. <coughs> well, I tell you, you know, we look at it now with all the different information that we have now and we think about how they formed the warp bubble and you know how it flew through space and all this jazz of course we're talking about it, it doesn't exist but you know what i mean yeah uh and and we we look at it now and we think that would be more feasible now than it was back then i mean a lot of the things that happen in star trek are very innovative and very they were on the edge and and many of the things that we saw in the original series and even in the next generation have come to pass and we're using them now. I mean, not everything, but quite a bit of the technology. I mean, who would have thought that we would be holding in our hands, um, um, you know, an iPad, you know? Yeah, exactly. An iPad, which, you know, for all purposes is kind of like, like what they, they used is almost like a tricorder or, yeah, or uh, or whatever their pad, I guess. Well, yeah, I remember they the, the on, even on the original series, the the yeoman would bring Kirk the pad, and he would take the the stylus and sign it yeah. or do whatever with it, and it was all electronic. And then, of course, we saw all the different pads they had in the next generation, and of course, the subsequent series and stuff. But uh, you know that kind of technology. I mean, the cell phone today is totally the communicator. We can we can talk with people on our Bluetooth now, just like Starfleet could on their badges. They're combat. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so it's it it's always been a very um, prophetic and predicting type of series. Star Trek has always been on the edge like that, and even even with um, touch screen and and uh, image holographic stuff. And I mean, there'll be a day. You know, they're working on it, trying to make a holodeck. You know, they've got some. They've gone forward in that, and that's just like amazing to me. Just amazing. Exactly. It's just, you know, like you say, you know, some of the, the stuff that they've they've kind of dreamed up in the series and, and some of it, how it's kind of it's worked its way into, uh, you know, kind of into our lives. And uh, and now it's just, just normal. Yeah. We take know, it for granted. Kind of, like to think that these guys are really just, you know, kind of writers and, and producers and and that that tie, actually to kind of come up with stuff, you know, actually be able to see, you know, kind of envision what what our future might look like with some of this with this technology and for it actually, you know, actually some of it to come true is actually quite amazing. It is. I, I was reading an article today that someone had posted, by the way, uh, Trex and sci-fi has a group on Facebook. If you want to join it and you're more than welcome to just look for Trex and sci-fi and join our group. And you can see all sorts of cool things that people post. Well, our friend Chris posted a, an advertisement for computers that had um, William Shatner in one of them. And then it had Isaac Asimov, um, in one of them. And it was really interesting to read, you know, I mean, we've come a long ways, obviously, but it was really interesting to see some of these people that starred in or wrote stuff way back when were again, very prophetic in what, what came to pass. So exactly. That was, that was kind of a little bit of a blast from the past. I, I looked through, through that, uh, that link as well. Oh, you saw it. Okay. 
Yeah, with all the different uh, computers. I watched a little video of Shatner talking about the Commodore. Wasn't that funny? The Commodore. Yeah, it was just kind of funny. You know, it's like, oh, this is better than your Atari and Intelligent and showing yeah. someone playing all these little kind of, uh, you know, 8-bit little games and all that kind of stuff on it. And so just we're going to get a Galaga next time. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wow. And there Space Invaders yeah. and uh, looked like uh, Lots a few of others. And it was just like, oh, it's just uh, brought back memories. Oh, I remember back then. I remember... Um, being so excited to get an Atari 2600, that was just amazing for the, for the time. And now you look at the graphics of it, and it's pretty cheesy, but uh, it was cool then. Yeah, I had a uh, Intellivision, and uh, like I say, I thought it was uh, we had all the games for it. We actually had the we had the little module, the Intellivoice module as well, which you know, some of the games had some uh, some uh, rudimentary would, speaking in them, and it yeah. was just like. Oh, like like you say, Rick, it, games look pretty cheesy now, but uh, they were cool then. then. Was, oh my gosh, uh, yeah, something else. You know, and, and really back then it wasn't. Um, we didn't. Re- we weren't really called geeks or nerds back then. It was. It was just more. We didn't really talk. I didn't talk about it a lot to my friends and stuff because not many of them were into it. But that that was. I don't know. There's. I had a love for stuff like that way back when. And it's so nice nowadays to be able to have a group of people to talk to about this kind of stuff. And that's why I think this program is really going to appeal to a lot of people, of a lot of our friends now, especially on the Treks and Sci-Fi forum and, and those of you on Facebook that um, listen to the podcast or, or just subscribe to the podcast. I think you're really going to get a kick out of it because how often do you sit around at work and talk about the different enterprises? It depends on uh, where you work. Depends I guess. on who you're working with. I <laughs> yeah, guess. that's true. I mean, if we work with Rico, we probably would do it every day. But yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> I've had a few discussions with coworkers in the past. Uh, right now, I'm not really working with uh, folks which are really into it. But uh, I've I've had a few I've had a few in detailed uh, conversations when I probably should have been working. <laughs> that type of stuff. That's that's funny. I, I me too. Okay. <laughs> A lot of times I get in trouble with myself though because I'm my own boss, and then uh, then I get in a lot of trouble with myself because I'll go researching something that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm supposed to be doing. But you know, oh well, that happens. So we're talking about the enterprise now. In order to do this correctly, we kind of have to go uh, back in the past, and we're going to start with the very first enterprise, which really came after all Rick, of them. Yeah, we should we should. Uh, do bar talk set segment first. that's a great idea why don't we do that first and then we'll jump into the subject because yeah. um Vartok did an awesome uh segment he um of galaxy quest and i don't know if if you've seen that you've seen the movie obviously you and i yes, have seen I it have. but uh, if you're listening and you haven't seen the movie you need to watch it fantastic hilarious cool movie called galaxy quest so we're going to turn over to Vartok, and then he's got a question during it and then we'll come back at the end of the podcast and play um, the the answer to his question. So Vartok, take it away. Whew! Your commander is on deck. Ha ha! Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm gonna do it. Okay? Never give up. Never surrender. By Grabzar's hammer. By the sons of Morvan. You shall be. Avenge. 
everyone, this is Vartok again, with another Music in Sci-Fi segment. Oops, forgot to set the voice transformer. Here we go. Hello everyone, this is Vartok again, with another Music in Sci-Fi segment. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about composer David Newman and his music to Galaxy Quest, one of my truly all-time favorite sci-fi movies. If you immediately recognize the Galaxy Quest classic TV theme that opened this segment, then you are a true fanboy, or fangirl, of sci-fi movies. The Star Trek comedy parody film Galaxy Quest debuted Christmas Day in 1999, starring Tim Allen as TV actor Jason Nesmith who plays Commander Peter Quincy Taggart. Other well-known actors who played members of the NSEA Protector ship crew included Sigourney Weaver as actress Gwen DeMarco, playing Lieutenant Tawny Madison, Alan Rickman as actor Alexander Dane, playing Dr. Lazarus of Tevmec, Tony Shaloub as actor Fred Kwan, playing Tech Sergeant Chen, and Sam Rockwell as actor Guy Fliegman, playing the expendable redshirt crewman number six. The music to Galaxy Quest was composed by David Newman. Now, hold it a second. That name sounds familiar. Well, actually, it might sound familiar. David Newman is the son of the very famous Hollywood composer Alfred Newman, the brother of composer Thomas Newman, the nephew of composer Lionel Newman, the nephew of composer Emil Newman, the cousin of composer Randy Newman, and the cousin of composer Joey Newman. John Williams once noted, the Newman family is now a dynasty, thus putting further pressure on poor little David. You have the box of Leipzig and the Strausses of Vienna, and now you've got the Newmans of Hollywood. Now, by my count, the Newmans account for nearly 350 entries in the IMDb. David Lewis Newman, who apparently prefers to go by his middle name, Lewis, was born on March 11, 1954, in Los Angeles, California. David's father, Alfred Newman, died when David was just 15 years old. Now about his father, let's see what kind of a legacy David is living under. David's father, Alfred Newman, won a total of nine Academy Awards the second most number of Oscars ever won by an individual. Walt Disney won 26. He was nominated for a total of 45 Academy Awards, making him the most nominated composer in Oscar history until 2006, when John Williams surpassed him. Between 1938 and 1957, Alfred Newman was nominated for at least one Oscar each year. Forty-three of Alfred Newman's nominations were for Best Original Score. Now that 
is some legacy to be compared to. just heard the soundtrack song titled Introducing Sarah's Revealing the Universe. I especially like the Revealing the Universe cue, where for the first time the actors realize they are dealing with real aliens and not some sci-fi nerds. David began his music career as a classically trained violinist and conductor and schooled at the University of Southern California. David, or perhaps we should just call him Lewis, began his journey into film scoring as an uncredited violinist in the 1977 Spielberg classic film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, when he was about 23. In 1980, at about age 26, he conducted James Horner's Battle Beyond the Stars, a science fiction film produced by Roger Corman. Intended as a magnificent seven in outer space, which of course itself was a western remake of Akira Kurosawa's film Seven Samurai. background, you are hearing the Galaxy Quest track, Quellex Death. David's first film score assignment came at about age 30, in 1984, as a co-composer for the Tim Burton short film, Frankenweenie, a live-action film about a dog that gets run over and then put back together, kind of like Frankenstein. Not to be confused with the 2012 full-length stop-motion remake, also by Tim Burton. David has over 99 TV and movie credits in the IMDb. In 1987, he scored Danny DeVito's Throw Mama from the Train, which was his first collaboration with Danny DeVito. He went on to score nearly all of his subsequent films, including The War of the Roses in 89, Other People's Money in 91, Hoffa in 1992, Matilda in 96, and Death to Smoochie in 2002. He also scored the comedies Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in 89, The Mighty Ducks in 92, The Flintstones in 94, and The Nutty Professor in 1996. 
His credits during the early years of his career were mostly scoring B-movies such as The Kindred in 87 and The Runestone in 90, before he gradually transitioned to score mostly comedy films during his prime, such as Bowfinger, The Freshman in 90, and The Spy Next Door in 2010. Now, David Newman received an Academy Award nomination for his score to the animated film Anastasia, following his father, who scored the 1956 live-action version of Anastasia. Now, some of David's other scores, perhaps of more interest to Trek and sci-fi listeners, includes an episode to Amazing Stories, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Bedazzled, Ice Age, Serenity, and four Scooby-Doo animated films. His most current work will be for the movie Tarzan, a live-action remake due to be released in October 2013. And now, the question for later in this podcast. In the movie Galaxy Quest, the ship's registration number for the NSEA protector is NTE-3120. Do you know what the NTE stands for? Stay tuned, and I'll be back with the answer later in this podcast, including Patrick Stewart's reaction to seeing Galaxy Quest in the theater. All right, thank you, Vartok, for that awesome segment. Galaxy Quest, how cool. Never give up, never surrender. That's what I say. That's what you always say. Never give up, never, <laughs> never surrender. surrender. Just like Tim Allen does. Tim Allen is so funny. Oh, my gosh, that guy's hilarious. I was uh, watching a thing the other day. Um, who was it that, oh, a friend of mine went to Disneyland and uh, with his family, and he took pictures of the... Uh, the Toy Story game, and there was a life-size Buzz talking, and it was hilarious. And it was <laughs> it was Tim's voice. It was it was just great, very very cool. That's so cool. we're talking about Enterprise. Um, for many many years, the very first Enterprise that we ever saw was in the original series, and of course, um, you know, the very first time I ever saw the ship, it was wasn't really done that great. I mean, it, the special effects in the program weren't the greatest. Let's just put it that way. They're it, good for their time. Yeah, and, and and the paintings and the drawings and stuff like that were awesome of the Enterprise. But what happened was after, well, most of the series were over, they started up a series called Enterprise, which set the the whole series back before the original series. And so they introduced an Enterprise um, before the the original series which was kind of weird because it changed everything um and but we i think it'd be good to start with in canon what the first enterprise was now barring you don't go back to the the phoenix which was zephyrin cochran's ship that when he invented warp drive um that was kind of cool in first contact to actually see that do you remember seeing that for the first time and going oh that's so cool we've heard about this but now we get to see it yeah that was kind of cool though it was a real um Oh, it was kind of like a rocket, I guess, in a sense. And, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, we wondered how it could uh, actually uh, stay together. It didn't look all that solid to me, but no. Uh, but you know, when they got into space and then they deployed the the nacelles, yeah, that was cool. I mean, it, it just was like it was a tip of the hat to the Enterprise, and I, I just thought that was really cool. So why don't we go ahead and let's go ahead and treat each one of the Enterprises in succession. Um, and talk a little bit, some facts about them, maybe what we liked about them, maybe what we didn't like about them, and uh, and we'll move through the Enterprises one by one. So let's go all the way back to the very first one in canon, 
And Jeff, what was which one was that? The first one was the NX-01, which is uh, the first Enterprise uh, commissioned, uh, captained by uh, Jonathan Archer, as we all know. Uh, it was, uh, like I say, an NX-class ship, uh, launch date of 2151, and it was retired in 2161. So only 10 years stint. Yeah, it didn't have a long, uh, long run. Uh, I guess uh, short but sweet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, constructed in uh, an Earth space dock, it uh, not a very big ship. It's only 225 meters, um, height of uh, 33.3 meters, and uh, 80,000 metric tons. Wow! Um, and uh, decks only had seven decks, if you can believe it. Seven wow. decks. Wow! Uh, crew complement of 83. Uh, a speed uh, maximum uh, warp speed of 5.2, uh, and then armament. Um, it originally started off with uh, three phase cannons, uh, but then they upped that to 12 when uh, we found out that there just wasn't enough firepower to be out there in the galaxy. Right. And they also had uh, six spatial photonic torpedo launchers, uh, plasma cannons, and uh, pulsed uh, phase cannons, and also a polarized hull plating. That, now, that was an interesting concept that they came up with and because we were always used to, as, as kids, I remember, shields up, Captain, you know, and this was so different because instead of having shields, it was the precursor to shields, which was uh, polarized uh, hull plating, which I thought was cool. Exactly. So it was, uh, it was kind of a, it was a kind of a cool idea, um, cool idea what they did because, like you say, they didn't have... Uh, didn't have shields back then, so uh, they had to come up with something else. Um, you would think, couple- you know, I mean, thinking of the practical things about this particular ship, it almost, I mean, they did a really good job at re- making you think they're not really ready for this. Yeah, well, like I say, that was that whole struggle right at the beginning of uh, Enterprise where the the Vulcan uh, high commander, the, the Vulcans didn't feel that, uh, you know, that, that Earth was ready to, to get out there and... Uh, you know, like say, and like you say, it just kind of felt like, well, Earth really doesn't know what to expect out there, and is this ship going to be good enough for that? Well, and then, and then the whole idea—I think they did a great job in the series of Enterprise um, with that whole that whole tension between the Vulcans and Earth, because uh, you know the Vulcans very well, or could have very well, just sat down with us and told us what to expect. And in some aspects, I think that's why to Paul was such a great character on Enterprise because she was more sympathetic towards the the humans and towards, you know, especially Archer. And and I think she did a really great job at um, helping them prepare what, you know, for what they were going to run into. Or if they ran into something that they didn't understand, she would try to help them because the Vulcans, of course, had been out there for a long time before that. So very, very cool. So as far as the NX ship, what are some of the things that you really enjoyed about it, Jeff? Uh, for me, I kind of liked that it had, um, maybe, um, more, you know, to our time frame, it had a more maybe relatable, uh, design mm-hmm. to me. It kind of had almost, uh, you know, I had that kind of gray silverish, uh, submarine, warship, yeah. you know, submarine warship type kind of look to it. Apparently like when they were kind of designing it, which took about a year to, um, a year to design, uh, they, they apparently, uh, you know, they, they they had to come up with something which um, looked with a bit of a retro design, but also had to kind of be modern to kind of fit 
our time. So, right. you know, because, you know, they had the enterprise, the original enterprise, and then they had to come up with something which would look natural to to be something that you would expect to come before that right. ship. And, of course, we had to kind of, um, we had to overlook that it's going to be a more modern ship because they couldn't, they couldn't build the ship to look similar to the way the original Enterprise was done because that was done back in the 60s and that just wouldn't wouldn't fly. I know. Also, too, it was kind of a CGI design ship where a lot of the other ships were always, you know, sketched out or, or right. model built. Well, I noticed that on the on the the Enterprise, the first one, um, the NX that we're talking about, they had lots of um, um, they did have uh, lots of computer monitors. Which I thought was interesting, and they were separate; they weren't incorporated into the bulkheads. Yeah, exactly. So it was more like what we would see today. Yeah, something sitting on someone's desk or right, or, or right, mounted and, to a. And they also had. Did wall. you notice they also had lots of um, um, not dials, but they did have switches and knobs compared to. I mean, they had those on on what we're going to get to the next one here in a moment. But um, they had those on other ships. But this these in particular look like. More like you would have seen a sophisticated Apollo rocket have on the inside. Exactly, or what you might even expect to see a, a bit in a, you know, a naval ship or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's what I always thought. Or an airplane. Well, I remember wondering how are they going to do this because it's going it, to. How are they going to please the fans? And then how are they going to do an Enterprise? Because the the, the one that I grew up on, the original Enterprise, was really psychedelic and and it really was surreal it wasn't wasn't really practical it didn't look really like a spaceship on the inside except the bridge you know maybe uh, but besides that the jeffrey's tubes were the only things that looked like you know a spaceship so you know i i wonder how are they going to do this and I, don't, I i wasn't disappointed i have to say when i saw the design for the ship i went well that's pretty cool I like it, and then when they when they took you inside it and you got to see some pictures of it, uh, it was really it didn't disappoint. I thought it was really cool and very believable. Yeah, plus two, like say, given that it's it's only two hundred and twenty five meters long, you really do get the feeling that it's a bit of a cramped working space. In I was there. just like going to say it's almost like you're, you when you walk through, you're going to hit your head. Yeah, exactly. Like say, you know, because you, you remember like the enterprises of, of of later, you know, they have such wide corridors. Yeah. And, uh, you know, large spaces. And this one is just like, like you say, it's like really, really, really crammed in there. And like I say, they only have a, you know, a crew of 83. So, so it's, it's like, say, it's not a, not a, not a, you know, a luxury not a lot of space liner. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, which was really cool. And then apparently yeah. they said too, that a lot of the uh, crew quarters um, actually didn't have, most of the crew didn't have uh Space views only. Uh, more senior officers had uh, actually had, had a port, uh, rooms a portal. which had had uh, views of, of space. Most were kind of more in inside the uh, the saucer area or the hull area of the ship, which then again lends itself to like a submarine, you know. And and uh, some of these big naval ships, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of windows on those, and they're all packed on the inside. So, yeah, I, I thought it was very creative and cool how they came up with that whole idea and that design so the other thing that i liked about uh, this enterprise was the uh, experimental transporter i oh, thought yeah that was pretty cool you know because you always wondered you know how many people got melted and killed in these things before they actually worked right you know and and we got to see 
you know, in the inter- on the Enterprise NX series, they were mostly for cargo. Yeah, that they wasn't planned to to transport uh, uh, living beings, which I thought was really interesting. But they did, of course, several times on the series. So, I thought that was yeah. interesting. Anything else you want to talk about on the on the very first ship? A couple more notes I'd like to uh, talk about. Um, one of the things that actually the uh, the the producers uh, were kind of um, going back and forth were the uh, the nacelles um, because they had a bunch of uh, warp coils in the in the nacelles and they were uh, they were blue and they were they were thinking of not putting in the the blue blue uh, warp coils into the nacelles. They're probably gonna they were thinking of just leaving them more um, more plain looking really? like the um, original. Enterprise had because right. you know original Enterprise they didn't have the nice colorful uh, nacelles like uh, later versions of of the ships did. Sure, but um, apparently um, Roddenberry always wanted to have um, uh, kind of uh, blue glow, glow nacelles on the original Enterprise. It just uh, couldn't couldn't could not afford the cost on it. So, right. in kind of a homage to him, they uh, they gave the the ship uh, blue nacelles. The other thing I was really, I really liked, like when you're talking about the, um, about the, uh, the transporter, I also liked their tow cable. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Like, you know, cause you get so used to like a tractor beam and, and they didn't have that. They had a tow cable. But they actually, yeah. And it clunk onto something and then they pull. That's like a winch. Yeah. On the enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I that like gave that. Some, that gave some great storylines though when uh, when they did the transfer between ships and that was pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I know it was just uh, it was kind of cool. Like uh, just they called them the grapplers. The grapplers. That's what. I, that's right. Yeah. 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 I love that. That's very. Is there very anything cool. that you didn't really like about the ship, Rick? Um, you know, I, I thought the I thought it was kind of dark looking. I, I thought that's kind of weird that they would make it so. They did really make it metallic. And which I think is, you know, it's fine. It, it was a cross between them, but I thought maybe it would have been more colorful. That's all. I just, yeah. other than that, I liked, I was shocked that I liked the design. I'm, and I'm not really critical of, of a lot of this stuff in Star Trek. Like some people get just, they just yeah. totally get crazy about it. But to me, you know, as long as they do a good job and they've thought it out, it's, I like, you know, I like what they come up with. But in this particular case, I was surprised at how dark it was. I, I thought yeah. they would try to make it a little lighter colored. Was too. You know what? I also, one thing I kind of noted a bit that I always found that the, um, like, uh, like if you look at like the, the hall where they have like the NX-01 Enterprise, uh-huh. just, it seems so understated. Like I just thought they could have made me, um, you know, the, the signage on it could have been a, a little more prominent. Yeah. You know, cause you kind of, it kind of gets lost. Well, lost in the the ship and uh, yeah i thought so too and that's because i thought it was a darker color and so it didn't really yeah. stand out yeah i mean maybe they could have made it a brighter you know yeah. the the uh the lettering brighter or something like that and then it would have been a little bit more cool looking but uh and then you know the the other thing that um, i always like logos on stuff and they really didn't have any well of course they didn't have they hadn't done the federation yet and yeah starfleet yeah. wasn't really starfleet yet so yeah, it's kind of cool. I guess we're going to move on to, um, I guess probably the uh, um, the most famous, uh, the most famous reindeer of all. Oh wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. The famous starship famous, of all, famous ship of all, the uh, 
The original Enterprise. 1701. The USS Enterprise. And it was cool. It was absolutely cool. Tell us a little facts, factoids about the original Enterprise. Okay, let me get to my uh, page here. There's... Okay, it is a Constitution-class uh, starship. Uh, launch date of 2245, uh, built in the San Francisco yards of Earth. It's, uh, what is it? It was destroyed in 2285, auto-destruct in orbit around the Genesis planet, uh. as we saw in Star Trek Three. Mm -hmm. A length of 289 meters. Um, we'll talk about the refit after. Um, it had 23 decks. A crew complement of uh, of um, two hundred and three. So this was the original series Enterprise. Over twice what the NX had. Yeah, and then it had phasers and photon torpedoes. Um, it was first commanded by Robert April, then um, then by uh, Captain Christopher Pike, and then of course uh, James Kirk, then uh, Will Decker. And then uh, finally by Spock. 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 And then um, just looking here, a few more um, uh, defenses were uh, deflector shields. Um, maximum safe speed for this ship was uh, was warp six. Maximum speed was warp warp eight. Attainable at extreme risk is warp nine. Warp eleven in the uh, episode uh, with the Calvins. Uh, of uh, I think that's uh, by any other name I believe uh, yeah. some special modifications and then warp fourteen point one attainable for a few minutes with engine overload. Wow! And then as well too, they said it was almost one million gross tons. Wow! So it was uh, considerably larger than uh, than the NX uh, class ship. Well, now, when you put those up against each other, as far as a comparison chart is concerned, it's a lot bigger. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it was a big deal. It's a lot bigger. And now, this is 100 years after the NX, right? Isn't that what it... I mean, didn't, wasn't it 2150 when the, when the NX was... Yeah, or 2160? it was something like that. Yeah, 2245 is the launch date of NX, NC01. And then... Uh, Look at my book here. Twenty one fifty one was for the NX one. So yeah, we're looking at uh, over a hundred and over a hundred years there. Wow. Okay. Well, because close I to a hundred years, I guess. Close yeah. to a hundred years. Yeah. So it obviously they had come a long ways and done a lot of things. Obviously, and this ship was much different on the inside. Cool on the outside. All of the ships and you know, all the Enterprises had a similar look to them. I mean, not completely the same, but all of them had, you know, like they, the, I mean, each incarnation of the Enterprise had nacelles, had a saucer section, had, you know, um, you know. Not, they had a primary and a secondary hall, like right. you said. Uh, and a you bridge, know, and, you yeah, know, and all that bridge, jazz. So. Yeah. But what, what are some of the things you really liked about this particular ship, John? Um, to be honest, I like the, it's kind of a weird thing. I kind of like the simplicity of the ship. In a sense, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't really distracting to you. Yeah, it it didn't it didn't get in the way at all of the storytelling because there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, only only when they went into like a Jeffrey's tube, or they had like an alien race like the Kelvins that were modifying it. 
did you ever really see any behind this? And then the engineering, you know, it looked really odd. It wasn't it at all yeah, like it was you would really think it was. Simple. It's just basically a few kind of consoles and then and some wrenches. The, Remember those the wrenches? Yeah, the warp engine or whatever. Remember the big wrenches on the wall? Yeah, that's hilarious. Or the big and the big sheet and it, it went on into like this room that glowed. You know, the, exactly. It's like, huh? What? Anyway. <laughs> And then they had things you could you remember when they had the one episode where uh, there was a guy hiding in engineering. Oh yes. So there was obviously you know places they could go hide behind and stuff. It'd be a great place to play laser tag. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, it would be. Uh, wow, I thought such a big, uh, you know, big hallways and all. Oh, that I too. know they were huge, and they you know, seemed like, to go I'm on not forever. Sure how to scale those hallways or to the ship because it just it seemed like it seemed like most of your. Uh, Space is taken up in uh, corridors. Yeah, it, it really did, and the, and then the the crew quarters and stuff. Um, we never really saw a lot of the um, under. Um, what do you call it? the the officers' quarters? Were pretty nice, but as as Scotty explains when he's on the next generation, you know, what you do put me in an admiral's quarters. Yeah, because yeah, obviously you know, obviously they're pretty uh, pretty minimalistic. Uh, yeah back then i guess that's to make up for all the big giant corridors i yeah. got some interesting things um, about the the actual model of the um oh cool enterprise that right. I, I found kind of interesting because was it wasn't doing... a cgi thing i mean later on yeah. they did of it, course they did yeah, of they course had change a, it actually a few different models um they had a three foot model and then they actually had a 11 foot model that they did most of their um they did most of the um of the shooting with the 11 foot model and the three foot model was more kind of um they just that was just kind of a mock-up for the uh that was a mock-up for you know just to kind of give an idea of what the ship would be like oh that's cool and um you you recall those um you know those classic pictures of um you know kirk and spock and they're holding the model uh-huh. that was the the three foot model oh that's cool and it was made out of mostly out of wood apparently wow. it uh which was kind of interesting. Um, they used it for um, shooting parts of the cage, um, but for the most part, it was uh, there for reference. Um, also, too, it appeared um, in a few different other episodes, like Where No Man's Gone Before, Tomorrow's Yesterday, By Any Other Name, and um, and uh, at Rap, that was the one that was uh, given to um, Gene Roddenberry. He had this one sitting in his desk. Wow. And um, apparently, like say, this was the first Enterprise model that was ever built. And then when they were working on the um, Phase Two and the the movie, he actually loaned the the uh, the model out to a production house who was doing some some work on on Phase Two. Wow! And uh, apparently, uh, he forgot who he loaned it to, and uh, no. it's it's been missing ever since. So, so somebody has that. Yeah, in a that warehouse original or three a... foot, uh, three foot model that uh, they built. I found it interesting that they actually built it out of wood, which uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess back then, back in the '60s, they probably didn't have as many tools to do all the um, fabricating and everything, all the fabricating plastic, and all that kind of stuff, vacuum, and all the different, you know, yeah. kind of plastics and resins that they might have have today. To Man. can to you imagine that. finding then, that now? And then the eleven foot model. Uh-huh. Um, was uh, the saucer was kind of made out of out of plastic, and then the secondary hull was made out of wood. Um, and then originally, when they built up the eleven foot model, uh, Roddenberry didn't actually want it lit. 
but then after he kind of changed his mind, so it kind of uh, uh, made made for um, made for a bit of a challenge for the the model makers to kind of go back and uh, light it up. And then, as we're all aware, you know, there's different um, versions of the Enterprise um, for different uh, you know series, or you know, because uh, you know for the uh, first pilot it looked a bit different, and then the second pilot it looked a little bit different, yeah. and then the uh, series it looked quite a bit different like they made some changes to like the the nacelles um like the buzzards had little kind of like uh kind of posts or spikes coming out of it um like the back end of the nacelles had different kind of radiator radiators on it and there's um even in the cells they had you know they they were stylized a a bit differently as well did they say the reasons for that or was it just just design Uh, they just wanted to change it up a bit more make it a little more livelier i guess uh they felt Right. So uh, that's kind of why they they changed it, and also the bridge was a bit different um, between the um, shows. So, I guess when they went to kind of film it, they just you know they kind of tweaked the uh, the ship to make it uh, make it a little little a, a bit interesting. And then this might be a fact. I'm not sure if you know this fact, uh, Rick, but uh, I found this one interesting. I, I've heard of this one before, but apparently. Um, only the uh, port side of the model was actually uh, detailed and painted, so oh, all their really? shots were always uh, port side. Or, it never. Or no, to not me. port side was not detailed. It was the starboard starboard side. Excuse me there. Oh, that's so the port side. They didn't they didn't detail it because if you always recognize, remember the shots. It was always from that certain um, left to right type kind of uh, right. Shot well, they, they do just reverse it. They they the, just uh, switch the, the side of it. Do they yeah. just switch the negative to have it come back at you? Uh, what they did, like on uh, Mirror Mirror, there was that, you know, when they showed this ship, you know, kind of flashing back and forth. Uh-huh. Remember when they were switching between, um, you know, between the, the Mirror Universe and the... Um, and the regular one, yeah. Regular. What they actually did is they just, um, they printed off some uh, backward sides, backwards decals, <laughs> put those on the on the ship, and then just uh, flip the flip the film around. Oh, that's then, funny. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of... Uh, interesting um as well one other thing which was i I found kind of interesting about the um about the uh, original enterprise and uh, the kind of the enterprises after that um is you know on the bottom of the ship like on the bottom of the uh, primary hall the saucer section uh uh, you see those kind of two kind of like uh gray triangle areas yeah well apparently um the thought was is that uh Way back then, when uh, they were toying with the idea that um, that the hall and the uh, you know the primary hall and the secondary hall could uh, separate. Wow! And that apparently these um, though no one's ever officially stated this, but it's been kind of uh, the theory going around is that these um, these kind of these triangular marks on the on the bottom of the uh, uh, saucer section are actually landing gear. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so I thought that's like that's Voyager's really landing gear. Yeah, that's that's really really cool. Well, now, okay, so for the series, um, it was obviously the same type of model and everything. But do you remember when they when they got the green light on the movie, the motion picture? Yeah. Do you remember sitting in the theater and for the very first time, because they gave you a long time, because this movie was, you know. I mean, they gave you, I don't know how much time Enterprise had screen time, but more than Kirk, I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It was like a glamour 
Yeah. It was two hours of glamour shots of the Enterprise. Of the Enterprise. Which, and they must have been really Which I did proud. not mind. I love that. Yeah, isn't that funny? Because when I was younger, I didn't mind it at all. Now I get bored with it because they came out with such cooler stuff later. But but um, I remember originally going, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Because we really never got to see it in detail before. No. And that was so was there there was a lot of difference between the models that they used in um in the series and then when the movie hit yeah let me uh let me break down the uh the uh refits yeah let, please do and let's do that so let me get to my page in the trusty haynes manual here how awesome okay so the um it's a constitution class as well a refit uh launch date was uh 2271 Okay. And then twenty two eighty six for the uh, the A, NCC seventeen oh one A. Okay, all right. And that... Decommissioned in uh, twenty two eighty five for the seventeen oh one, and then uh, twenty two ninety three for seventeen oh one A. It's a bit longer. It's a bit longer ship. Um, the book here says three hundred and five meters. The website says three hundred and four meters. So, uh, pretty uh, pretty close. Pretty pretty close. Um, we're talking uh, 21, they say there's 21 decks in this thing. A crew complement of 450, uh, website says 432. So uh, to be honest, I'm going to go with the uh, book with the on book, that. But yeah. again, it's just, that's pretty close there. Um, again, we've doubled in size. Yeah. And then we're looking at uh, its speed. Is max cruise speed is warp factor 8. And then emergency speed is uh, warp factor 9. Uh, they have 18 phaser emitters and two photon torpedo launchers. Wow, cool! Deflector shields and defense fields. That's awesome. I don't. I love this ship. To be honest with you, I, it's beautiful. The more I look at it, the the more I, I love this. I love this ship. Now, is this the one that now? Um, doesn't Rico have the big, huge one of this one? He has the big, huge one of the uh, original oh. series. Oh, so. it's the original. I thought it was the refit. I don't know why no, I thought it's that. the original. Uh, Original 1701, which uh, he has. Pretty cool looking. But uh, Brian, he's actually, he built uh, he built the refit. Uh, not, not too long ago. He's built, uh, I believe he's built the refit, and he's also built the original NC1701, so he has both. He was, wasn't he showing a little bit of that on the forums? We were able to watch yeah, him yeah. do that. That was awesome. Yeah, this refit is, it's uh, some interesting facts about this refit as well. Uh, about the the models here, um, was they pretty much used the same filming model um, through the whole show? Apparently, there's a big model too, something like uh, ten and a half feet or eleven wow. feet. It was kind of around the same size as the uh, as the uh, their filming model for the original series. Wow, that's and cool. They, they used the same model um, over and over uh, between uh, movies one and six, and uh, sounded like a it was a a lot of work, a lot of work keeping that thing uh, kind of maintained. Uh, they ran into lots of problems with lighting it. Um, oh yeah. And then um, the painting. Um, this was the first time when they painted this uh, ship. This was kind of the first time they came up with that um, Aztecing type um, type of theme that I, you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, with all the little kind of panels. Looks and, like tiles and a mosaic yeah, kind of and all yeah, that. Yeah. And they had done a. Um, they had done a. Uh, they had. It took them like like months and months and months to paint this thing because it was very detailed, and uh, they used um, these kind of uh, pearlescent type colors on the original 
one in the uh, motion picture. Right. They used all these little pearlescent colors like uh, green and gold and blue and red and looks really nice. It kind of shiny and, you know, it gives you a different color at different... At um, different angles, yeah. Different angles, but yeah. it's really hard to light. I guess it was like very hard to light um, the ship because it was so shiny. So it was hard for them to get their, their shots that actually... Um, when they did the second movie, uh, The Wrath of Khan, um, ILM was doing the uh, kind of the visual effects shots, and they were having a real tough time uh, uh, filming this thing against blue screen because they get something which was called uh, blue spill because it was so shiny. So they'd get kind of they would um, actually get a reflection, wouldn't they? Yeah, reflection, and then when they put you know against a blue screen or whatever, you know they get this this blue spill or whatever. So that's so funny you say that because I remember doing some green screen filming with with Nathan, my son. And every once in a while, you can see in the in the hair of the person, um, a reflection of that green would bounce off, and yeah. hit, and so they look like they have a little green tint to their hair, and that's yeah, exactly so that's, that's the same type of this. thing. Yeah. So they had to dull coat it actually. Oh my god! Because they said you know a lot of this, um, a lot of this uh, kind of this detailing on the ship um, wasn't kind of showing up on screen, so they so they kind of dull coated it and toned it down for the the you know the the later movies. Well, and and, you then, can, and if you watch the movie I, now that they're on Blu-ray, and and I watch the movies, they they did a spectacular job on some of this stuff. I mean, it really looks good. By the time they got into, um, you know, uh, four, five, and six. Now in four, they didn't hardly do. No, they didn't have Enterprise a lot in four. They just had a they had a shot bird of prey at the end. Yeah, just a shot at the end. But um, but five and six, um, it was really neat looking on screen. I mean, it they did a great job. It, yeah, it looked they, the like best said, it ever had. The same, the same, uh, they used the same same model for like all those movies. So it wow. was around for quite a while. That's funny because I did not know that. I thought they made new ones for the for the older ones. I mean the the newer ones. Well, because uh, basically the the refit and NCC seventeen hundred one A are pretty much the same same ship, um, just slightly uh, just slightly just some minor. Okay, minor so so differences. Jeff, do you... I guess the funny thing too, I was reading about um, when they went to to film uh, Star Trek Five, they pulled out the um, pulled out the uh, uh, the Enterprise, um, and I guess they. I guess uh, on one side of it, someone had like just painted over it with like uh, gray primer or something like that. Oh, so no. they actually had to go back and uh, do a lot of the paint detailing on it before they what could the, use the ship. So who in the world would have done that? I'm not sure. There must have been some sort of reason why they they did that, but <laughs> Gee, kind of kind of funny um, what they did. And then the NCC 1701, like say the refit uh, got destroyed in um, Star Trek Three. Uh, you know when. Uh, Kirk tricked the uh, Klingons into uh, uh, taking over the ship, and then he set the auto destruct right. sequence. And then the um, NCC seventeen hundred one A was uh, was basically the uh, Yorkton, and then they just kind of re rechristened it the uh, the Enterprise uh, A. Now, see, I did not know that. How come I don't know that? That's crazy. That's real. See, I learned something right here on Treks and Sci Fi, and this is why we are such nerds. I love it absolutely love it that's really really cool but you, you remember do you remember the feeling when they were standing on that cliff and the fireball of the enterprise came raining down and was it uh was it kirk or was it mccoy that said my god what have we done or what have yeah, i done i think it was was it kirk McCoy, maybe it could have been what have we done or something like that yeah. and uh and i just felt like i got kicked in the gut when that happened 
Yeah. I, you know, I like say the first I, time to see, yeah. you know, because first you see Spock, you know, kind of like die, I guess, yeah. in, um, in Wrath Star of Trek Two, and then to see see the Enterprise. It was like it took a little part. It's weird because I was emotionally attached to the ship. Which is like really weird. It's an inanimate object. Why would I be attached to it? Oh, it's but such I was a primary character of, and that's and that's what's beautiful about this. I mean, really, we could say that this particular episode of Treks and Sci-Fi is about the about a character named Enterprise. Exactly, because it really it played. It was the central character of the show, and and the heart. I mean, the heart of the Enterprise was, of course, the the crew and the people that ran it. But the but the Enterprise itself was the vehicle in which, and no pun intended, the vehicle in which this took place. And it just we became attached to it. Now it's really funny because um, obviously we're going to go into the next Enterprise here in just a moment. But but um, I'll never forget falling completely in love with the enterprise d i i just i don't know why i like it more than any other of the enterprises and and probably because tng has such great memories for me but um okay so we've, we've gone through this particular ship we're at the 1701a yeah now now there's a big break between um i mean the next generation is going on now on tv um the you know movie six um came out with Enter and, and tng was on the air at the same time i believe because remember we uh, got the crossover with uh michael dorn playing yeah. his grandfather in the uh in the court scene the trial scene but um from that point on um when we were watching the next generation we got to see a glimpse and i'll never forget this being so freaked out this is why i love this episode so much was when we got to see um we got to see the enterprise c but before that we never got to see the b we where was the b well i know we did but but at that point we hadn't yeah and and it was like oh my gosh they skipped one and and it's just so convenient of them uh to do this because we got to see the b in in generations which is just it was so cool and especially the way they introduced it and it took its maiden voyage very cool so why don't you tell us about that one the enterprise b the enterprise b is an excelsior class uh starship and as we saw in uh, star trek uh star trek 3 that the big new ships that are kind of because they're kind of you know going getting away from the enterprise and the uh constitution class they're uh-huh. kind of like old news and that this new great great ship was the Know, kind of this excelsior class ship now these are the ones that scotty didn't like at first yeah because they had this this special kind of transport transwarp drive, drive right which was supposed to be the the latest and greatest well that didn't pan out hey eh? like no nope. they saw you know the kind of the excelsior kind of was kind of a bit of a dud but anyways um they took those ships back they retooled them they put you know kind of your standard um warp drive into into the Excelsior and the NCC 1701B was an Excelsior class uh, ship, and uh, it well, its launch date was 2293. Uh, it was uh, constructed in the Antares shipyards. Its length again another big jump up here, 467 meters. Uh, number of decks was wow, 32. Big. Crew complement of 502, and it had. Phasers and photon torpedoes, uh, commanding officers here for the NCC 1701B. Uh, we had John Harriman, 
we had William George Demora Sulu, which I believe is uh, Sulu's daughter, I think. Uh-huh. Or, or I'm not sure. I've, someone who uh, knows their, um, their uh, Star Trek books so probably could uh, correct me on that. And then we had Thomas Johnson Jr. So the, these obviously these uh, these last three folks weren't um, weren't on, in a movie. Weren't in a movie. Well, we did see Sulu's movie. daughter in in, in yeah. generations, but she was a helmsman. Yeah, so I'm not sure if she later on went on to become a captain or not. I can't I don't can't know. remember that. But uh, John Harriman was. Uh, I'll never forget that line when, when he goes, "When did Sulu time find time for a family?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, find time for what's important. Okay, good. <laughs> find time for what's important. <laughs> so that's kind of the uh, the rundown the, of B. Uh, Do you remember seeing it for the very first time? What was your What were your thoughts when we were watching uh, uh, Generations on the, on the big screen and you saw the B? What was your thoughts? I thought it was kind of a big clunky kind of the angle that they shot it at. Like I have the, I have the kind of the toy here, but the angle they shot it at it looked like kind of this big kind of fat looking ship to me that's so of, funny you say that because i thought it looked squashed yeah like that they, was the angle because i look at it like my model and it's much more of a long narrower type ship but that angle that you know the kind of they were showing it at it like you said it looked kind of like squashed yeah and it looked like it was squashed and had like a uh a radiator on the front of it that's what i remember yeah. it looking like like it had a, like a, a studebaker radiator or something on the front yeah, like say that diff, the you know kind of the, uh, you know between the uh, kind of the primary hall and the secondary hall, like say it does look kind of, uh, it's different than the uh, the other ships. It's like say it's kind of like a radiator, yeah, radiator look on that. Yeah, and and I I remember seeing it and going, wow, that's different. And I thought, oh, are they really going to use this through this? Because, uh, and then I you know I was wondering why are we seeing the bee? This is weird, and and uh, and then of course the whole. I loved, loved the footage of, um, you know, the captain saying to uh, to Kirk, you know, go ahead and take it out, you know, do the honors, you know, and the reporters with the little cameras on their ears and everything. That was awesome. Just incredible. But I do have to say it was difficult to watch. Uh, it was difficult to watch Captain Kirk die. Yeah, that was tough. You know, you get, you know, it's just uh, kind of have to watch him die twice, I guess. I yeah. Guess. You know, he was lost in the in the accident, and he was, uh, you know, lost later in the uh, later in the movie when uh, I actually was... felt worse in the beginning. Uh, the the second scene where he dies, uh, in the later in the movie, I didn't think that was that good. But that's just me. I don't know. I we could discuss, that could be a whole podcast on how Captain Kirk died. Yeah, or did know. he die? I guess. Or, yeah, or <laughs> yeah. is he in the Nexus? I don't know. That whole Nexus thing was confusing to me. But we did get to see. The Enterprise B. What did you like about the ship, Jeff? Um, I like all the little detail detailing on it. Uh, it looks it's a bit of a departure from the other ships, so I, I like that it, it's different. It's you know it's got a bit of a different look to it. Um, like say, just looking at the toy on my desk right now is it's a real interest. It's one one that uh, when you stop and you look at it, you can spend some time looking at it. You know, it's got a lot of um, little different. Um, do you see different bridges, a lot of detailed, you know, kind of paint work and details all over it. Can you see the progression going on there? I mean, can you see how it's going to go into the sea and then, cause I think it looks more like enterprise D than C that's my. Yeah, I agree. Um, maybe because that, D uh, was a little more a, like, say like the back end, like the secondary hall is like really 
really kind of a narrow type kind of hull. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, you're right. It's kind of, yeah, because I'd say the Enterprise D also has got that kind of um, narrow <coughs> secondary hull as well too. So, so yeah, you, there is a bit of progression. Like you say, it, it seems like almost like um, the jump from uh, B to D almost seems a little more natural than right than C to D. Yeah, but then of course that could yeah yeah. There's a lot of you can talk about that a lot because of the time differential and the yeah time time space continuum all that jazz. But uh, anyway, okay. So anything you didn't like about the B besides what we've already talked about? Uh, pretty much like what we talked about. I love I love that you that they put it out. Uh, you're going to talk about this too. The Diamond Select yeah. put it out as a piece and uh, complete with sound effects and everything. Yes, that's cool. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, so now, now we get to we we're watching Next Generation, and we see the scene starts with um, Guinan talking to Worf about um, prune juice, a warrior's drink, and all of a sudden uh, we see outside of Ten Forward uh, this this uh, rift in space occur, and of course uh, Worf is called to the bridge, so he takes off and um, and he's on the bridge and everything, and he's doing his thing. And um, the weird flashes happen and everything, and then all of a sudden Tasha is standing there in the in the thing. Worf is gone, and out from the the rip in time comes Enterprise C. Tell us about Enterprise C. Okay, Enterprise C is a ambassador class uh, ship. Uh, it was constructed in the Earth Station McKinley on launch date of twenty three thirty two. Destroyed 2344. Um, length here between the website that we're looking at and uh, the book, um, a bit different here. Uh, the book says it's 526 meters long, and the uh, website says 478. So huh. I, I don't know. I I probably have to go with the book. Yeah. That's uh, kind of a the official, official book. Yeah. Number decks is uh, 36, crew complement of 530. So uh, close to the B. Is, yeah. Phasers and photon torpedoes. And the commanding officer is Rachel Garrett. I liked her character. But she didn't yeah, last. I liked her too. She didn't last very long, though. And that oh, probably yeah. one of the, the grossest and best makeups they ever did, though, was with that piece of shrapnel out of her forehead. Yeah. <laughs> and her eyes. I still, it looked real. Yeah, crazy. I did. Like, say, I, I'm not sure. Like, I guess, has that come out on Blu-ray yet that uh, season? Or no, it's not still yet. Always it, off. It's coming. We'll it it's like. coming. I, I can't guess I can wait. touch it up. I guess if it looks fake. I, I hope guess. that they play that one in the theater because I'd like to see it on the big screen. It was a great, great episode. Well, it is. It's really one of the best episodes of Next Generation. Yesterday's Enterprise was the name of it, and uh, we get to see the Enterprise C. Now, I remember giggling in delight for some reason when it came through that rift and I went, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I loved this ship. Now, and I haven't seen, do they have models? They have models of this one out, don't they? I believe they do. Actually. I believe they have a model of this one. Cause I haven't seen them. I, I've looked around for them, but I just loved it. I think I've seen, um, I've seen, I think I've seen a few YouTube videos of some guys building. And I think it's a, uh, it's like a round two model. Possibly. I, I think. Well, now to me, this particular Enterprise C. Now, I, maybe I'm crazy or or whatever, but I think it looks like the new movie 
um, Enterprise. I was just thinking of that too when I was looking at it. It's got that kind of um, kind of a fat, but but fat kind of uh, a pear shape kind of. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but the 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 body of the ship kind of looks Galaxy Quest-ish. I don't. Yeah. I, I, well, of course they did that on Galaxy Quest on purpose, but you know what I mean. It's it's just it's just kind of a, a it looked like a cartoony Enterprise to me. Yeah, and that's kind of what they did to the new one. Yeah, but, like say the the new one's so um, exaggerated. I guess. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's the word. Okay, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. Exaggerated or accentuated. Yeah. Because because it seems like all the curves are just you know they're dramatic. Yeah. In, in the, this one is kind of like you say it's got that stubby kind of secondary hall, and then even the primary hall is kind of uh, kind of wide and heavy looking too it's a real heavy looking ship it is it is and then the other thing too about this particular ship again it i don't know if i'm imagining things but i remember it being kind of dark looking and i probably because it had been in battle so yeah. it had a lot of scoring on the side of it and everything well i had a real detailed uh, paint job on the side of it too like it's like a real kind of pattern on the um secondary hall oh cool yeah like say i'm just looking at the um pictures here in the book and uh it has like it's it's a quite a it's got quite the the paint job on it it's a real complex complicated uh well do you do you have any facts on the actual models and stuff because that was that was only used in one one episode and i know I the episode in that facts there, on it let me see if i can find any facts there was a huge i know that the budget on this one was big yeah. the, they spent a lot of money on the special effects and just the whole, for some reason, that that episode was super popular with the fans. And of course, it was, uh, okay, I'm just looking a bit at the models here. It was designed by Rick Sternback, who did a lot of work in the like Next Generation. Oh, cool. Um, design was attended to suggest an intermediate step between the Excelsior class and the Galaxy class starship. Yeah. Um, deadline for sketching the blueprint Enterprise C was pretty normal in that it had a few days to sketch it up. The ship first suggested the uh, suggested Andy Probert's color painting get approved. Um, and then they, what else do they say here? Um, the genesis of the design came from a small color painting done by Andy Probert back in the early pre-production of season six. Interesting. Um, That's cool. What else? What else we see? It's um, studio model. Time constraints meant that the model was less quality than normal. But in this particular case, this was not necessary since since the battle damage model was intended to appear only in wide shots on relatively low resolution TV screens. Well, there you go. Yeah, in so order I wonder... to get the model on time, uh, also needed help from subcontractors. Um, well, that's yeah. I'm just looking through here. Uh, yeah. Oh, the model later appeared in Redemption. Two, oh really? USS Excalibur. Well, I'll be. How cool! Yes. I'm gonna have to look now. I have yeah. to go watch that because, I, again, I really like this ship. What What are some of the things you like about this ship? Um, I like the. It just looks like a strong ship to me, like a kind of a brute of a, a brute of an enterprise. Like say it's like the like bulldog. It's got yeah. Such a deep kind of solid look to me. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I, I like about it. How about you, Rick? Oh, same same for me. I, I, I enjoyed the toughness of it. It it felt like um 
there was just something about knowing I like the captain of it and I think that Captain Garrett was there was something about her that made me think I bet you she's going to give it all when she gets back over there and she's going to try to kick some serious Romulan butt you know and uh, they came to the defense of the Klingons I mean we, we know the story and everything and how that's one of the reasons that we're allies with the Klingons now is because of the the sacrifice that Enterprise made. And, of course, it got all screwed up when they came through the rift and all that jazz. So the, so what I liked about the ship was, again, its toughness and its resiliency. And, of course, you know, it was destroyed when it went back through. But, anyway, it was cool. I liked it. I guess we're going to move on to the next the, kind of famous, uh, famous starship. Now, this Wait. is probably the most beloved by fans besides the, the original series, Enterprise. Yes, and that's the Galaxy Class Enterprise NCC 1701D. Let's and see what this Galaxy uh, Galaxy Class Starship can do. Yes, it yeah. was constructed in the Utopia Planitia Elite Yards. Launch date of 2363. We know Leah Brahms worked on it, don't we? Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Go ahead. And then also here, what we got here is uh, it's got a length of 641 meters. Wow. Number of decks is 42. Wow. So much bigger. Crew complement is about 1,000. Wow. It's got phasers and photon torpedoes. And the commanding officers was Jean-Luc Picard and Edward Jellicoe. Oh, yes. Remember Jellicoe. Yes, yes. Creepy guy. So a few more... um, facts i guess about this model um i was doing a bit of uh research um they actually had um three different kind of models that they used for um filming they had a a six foot model which they kind of used for uh you know kind of the a lot of their stock footage you know detailed shots because it was a larger ship so they could add more details Details into it sure yeah but six foot or these larger size models are very difficult for um for um uh, film crews, crews to work with, like I say, the the original, you know, like the twelve foot uh, models and all that were very very challenging for the the movie crews and all that to work with. So they like to work with um, smaller models uh, when they're doing their filming. So they used they also had a two foot model, uh, which wasn't as detailed, which they used for like you know maybe longer range shots. Um, they used it a lot for the uh, warp sequences, and then between season two and season three, they. Um, they uh, made a four-foot uh, model version of this uh, ship as well, which they used for a good portion, if not most of the shots. Um, from then uh, on? From then on. Uh, like, say, they built up a lot of um, stock footage with the six-foot model, and also the six-foot model they built um, to as a separated, separating one. I was just going to ask if all of them separated or yeah, not. The two-foot one didn't, didn't separate, but the uh, six-foot and the four-foot one, I believe they did. That was when I saw it separate for the first time was oh, so cool. I don't know. I just thought that was awesome. Two, two ships in one. Yeah, exactly. I remember when uh, Jordy had the ship and uh, he, uh, yeah, he split it because uh, they were down on that uh, planet, which was had all that kind of um, weaponry that they're trying to sell kind of the sales planet there. And, right. Uh, right. And then uh, Jordy had command of the ship and then the, uh, the uh, no name, uh, no name engineer at the time was right. telling him that uh, 
that he should take over command of the ship. And Jordy's going, nope, I was left in charge. I'm was it like to... Alfred T. something? Um, yeah, something yeah. like that. And then Jordy yeah. did give him command, but he gave him command of the saucer section and told him to take all the all the families and all that uh, yeah. into safety. And then when they uh, rescued uh, Picard and uh, Riker and and the rest and then Picard said he didn't want the ship back till it was uh, was full or complete <laughs> that's funny well th- and then of course the best of both worlds when they they took it apart uh to fool Locutus yes that was pretty awesome okay so give us some some you gave us some facts about um this one you give us a little bit about the model um what are some of your favorite things about this particular enterprise Oh, it's just a big ship. It like, is. Uh, it's a big ship. I I guess for me, if I was going to serve on a ship that looks like the most comfortable one. <laughs> it does. It did. It looked like a, like a, Hilt, a Hilton in space. Yeah. You know, so the, if, I, if I was going to go on a deep space mission, this one has lots of uh, and amenities. I, I think I'd be spending a lot of time in the holodecks, uh, a lot of time at uh, 10 forward. It was pretty cool. And I know the first year, uh, first season, they didn't have 10 forward. It was obviously there, but they didn't have it booked in there. And when they got the Guinan character, they went ahead and got a bar for her to, you know, be in. And so Ten Ford became uh, on there in, in season two. Uh, and we get, of course, we see the very first time we ever see Ten Ford is when uh, John Luke goes to find um, Doctor uh, Pulaski, who's meeting with Diana, who's pregnant with a alien child. So that was pretty cool when we got to see that. But do you remember seeing in the in the pilot of of uh, Star Trek TNG? Do you remember seeing the holodeck for the first time? What were your thoughts on that? Ah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like say to see the holodeck, uh, you know, just uh, the idea that you could be kind of do anything you wanted, go anywhere you wanted, uh, seemed pretty cool. I'll, I'll, it sure I'll opened temper a... that with the that I felt that uh, sometimes throughout the series that they relied a little too many stories on the holodeck and particular particularly when they got into the voyager series that that got a little old yeah with the holodeck stuff i don't know why in tng i never really got bothered by it there was a couple of times when it was a little bit disturbing and kind of convenient you know and and of course you know for the amount of time that the holodeck was life-threatening you would think that they had figured that out by then you know, yeah, if they're exactly. going to use that to entertain themselves. Okay, so if the holodeck gets turned off, you know, unexpectedly, they're going to die. I don't think I'd want to go in one if that's the case. But anyway, I just thought that was really, really interesting. But uh, I did love that about the next generation is that they had holodecks on the ship. And they, uh, supposedly now that that was actually even on the old ship. If you watch the animated series, they had holodecks on, on the original ship. Oh really? Yeah, I, I, it's been a while since I've watched the, the. Um, so it was a concept that was there. They just didn't use it on the original one. That's interesting. That's interesting that. Uh, well, it's remember been around for a while, I guess. Uh, well, remember the recreation room, um, in in the motion picture. There's yeah. a lot of stuff there. There was ho- a lot of holographic stuff. I would imagine if you, if we were, did a little research and dug a little bit, I bet there were holodecks on that particular level of the ship. So. Yeah, like say in the original, like say in the. The refit they had like the the big recreation area and the mm-hmm. uh, arboretum and uh, which we only saw like a couple of times ever. Yeah, but at exactly. least on the next generation we got to see the arboretum and the and uh, the holodecks quite a bit and all that jazz. But yeah, a lot bigger ship and a lot more people on it. 
And what were some other things you liked about? What are some other things you liked about the ship there? Uh, I okay, I like the fact that f for the first time in Star Trek, you had families together. You you never saw that on any of the other Star Trek stuff. The families weren't with them, and so this really it it emphasized. To me, now, on Enterprise D, it, em it, it emphasized that it wasn't a ship of war, it was a ship of exploration. And that, to me, was more in line with what Star Trek was all about, to me. Even though I like the shoot 'em up you know, blow them up all that, I love that part of, of science fiction, that isn't really what Star Trek stands for, when you think about it. It's more of a, of a um, um, I don't know, it's more idealistic, and it's more family-orientated, it's more... Let's go out there and explore and let's find new things, you know, new civilizations to boldly go where no one has gone before, you know, that jazz. And so that's what I, and I love also about the ship, the, its sleekness. It's uh, like a Hilton hotel in space. I just thought that was kind of cool. I love the, the replicator, food replicators are way cooler than the original series uh, Enterprise. Oh, you didn't like the little, like, uh, Orange and red and green and type blue, things. yeah, the blue cubes of whatever they were. I don't know what they were, or the you know a chicken sandwich with tribbles on it or whatever. I thought that was really lame, and I really thought that was really weird in Star Trek VI that they had a galley where they were preparing actual food in it. You know, they weren't using replicators, which I thought was interesting. But uh, anyway, uh, so so what I liked about uh, I liked the food replicators. I like the the um, the uh, oh gosh. Uh, like the shuttlecrafts, but that's a different different show. Um, a lot better than the original ones. I like the um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, gosh, I keep not. I don't even know how to say it. It keeps going out of my mind when I want to say it. Uh, lots of different things about it. the hallways. I thought were cool. The the turbo lifts were great. I loved the light and the turbo lifts that go up and down and sideways. That was really cool. Um, I love the bridge on on uh, the enterprise d when i got to go to las vegas and go to the uh star trek experience i got to go onto the bridge and it was a, a, a exact replica of the bridge they used in filming and it was just wonderful just, yeah it was cool i was i got to go on the bridge as well it was really neat wasn't it i guess yeah it was it was kind of cool to be on the you know enterprise bridge and even though i only got to stand a little small part of it and yeah watch I, the actors it was still cool well you know originally on the star trek experience they had two of the exact same rides going at the same time called the klingon experience that's why if you uh if you, their numbers went down as time went on that's why they closed but um if you looked over when you got into the simulator on the one ride uh there was another simulator on to the right of you and it was played at the exact same time and so the 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 um the shows were played at the same time so there was a whole nother bridge and a whole nother um area uh transporter room there was everything was doubled um on the other side of the of the experience so when they made the borg 4d and replaced one of those rides um, they kept the bridge of the enterprise so that people could go in and take pictures on it and have weddings and stuff and oh, they could still cool. use the other one. So I actually got to see that. But they didn't maintain it. So when we went oh. in, it was pretty well thrashed. Oh, but it had cool. all the stuff on it. It was cool. A couple Ooh. of things I kind of like about the ship is uh, I like the, uh, like say, I kind of like the back view of the ship. Um, oh, like, yeah. I like looking from the, the back view. I like the, um, like you said, the uh, shuttle bay. I like I like where they put the shuttle bay, like just kind of right under the, uh, yeah. you know, the bridge yeah. pretty much. That was cool. I like the... Uh, <laughs> I like the impulse engines. I like where, I like those. Um, I like the uh, 
I, I always really like the nacelles. For some reason, I really like these nacelles. Yeah, I do too. Kind of they're the first kind of time a, I saw them. They're kind of like, long and flat, flatter yeah, than uh, nice colors, nice kind of. And they're turned, they're, they're turned sideways compared to the other ones. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, I like the. Uh, actually, I also kind of really like the uh, main deflector in, in the front. Yeah, that was cool. It's wider yeah, mouth, doesn't it? It's not as round. It was yeah. more of an oval. Yeah, an oval. Yeah. So assimilate this. Yeah. Sorry. So those are some of the things I, I liked about the ship. Well, it's one. It's my. I have to say, hands down, it's my favorite ship of all the of all the Enterprises. Very very cool. Anything else you want to say about Enterprise D before we move on? No, that's about it for me. Well, we are we are going to cover the next ship, and then, um, Jeff, you're going to talk a little bit about some of the ships that you have, do a little review of some collectible things. But rounding out our ships of Enterprise are is... NCC-1701E, which is a Sovereign-class uh, vessel. It is a uh, launch date of 2372, built in the San Francisco Yards and Earth. Uh, the length on this one, uh, according to the book, is 685 meters. That's one um, big ship. Yeah, that's a big ship. Uh, number of decks is 24. Uh, crew complement of 1,500. Wow. Um, it's got phasers and quote, quantum torpedoes. And the only commanding officer to date is uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Also, it is... It is uh, Loaded for bear. It's got uh, it's got sixteen phaser arrays. Uh, it's got uh, one forward quantum torpedo, three forward photon torpedoes, and six aft photon torpedo launchers. So this one was uh, apparently it was built to um, arm to the <laughs> arm to, to the take hilt. on the Borg. Was uh. It's uh, was the the plan for this one. So well, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about how Enterprise D met its demise. But that was a sad. That was a sad thing, and and I still blame Diana. Oh, for uh, crashing it. I know, but that was an awesome sequence. I have to say, incredible, and the way they filmed it was really fascinating. If you watch the behind the scenes, really neat. But we're talking about the E now. What did you think the first time you saw the E? I was going like, wow, this thing is just—it's a much a more a flat-looking type ship. Uh, just it looked. It looked really stylized over the um, the NCC seventeen OD. It's just it. It was a big jump, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a big jump. Like the nacelles on the thing are much more, um, much more Pointy. stylized. Yeah. They look much more modern, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah. Kind of a real more modern looking ship to me. Yeah. Like, I thought uh, so too. And I, a, quite, quite a you know also too. It's a really detailed ship. I was like, just going to say the detail on it was far greater than anything yeah. we'd seen so far. Yeah, and I don't. Was, I don't know if I like it. Isn't it's, that weird? Um, it's not my favorite ship. Yeah, they said that they took the inspiration of it from kind of the, uh, you know, from the Intrepid class Voyager, and kind of a elongated Galaxy class ship is kind of where they came up with this one. Right. Um, also, too, when they built it, uh, uh, they built a ten and a half foot version one, and they told them to build it solid because they wanted to use it for a few movies. So. So they used like you know to bolt the, uh, you know the primary hull and the secondary hull. They actually used, uh, you know, five inch bolts on it. So wow, that's cool. A solid, solid ship. Yeah. And, uh, it was another one which uh, quite a lot of work done on uh, painting it uh, 
very detailed. But uh, yeah, I know what what you're uh, saying there, Rick. It's um, I don't know why it just it seemed more. I don't know. It just seemed different to me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's some. Um, I don't know because you have such a uh, you know such a love for the. Uh, it's it's my it's that's what it is. I love the D so much. Yeah, it's my buddy. It's like my friend. I can't help yeah. it, but yeah, E was E was cool. It was cool, and and you know the sad part is we're probably never really going to get to see it ever again. So, no, like I say, mm. last time we saw it, it was ramming into Shinzon's. Uh, I know. Ship there. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. Well, this was this has been great, Jeff. I I am just so. Oh, okay. oh, I have to say one thing before we we close up this part of the podcast. The um, what did you think of the joystick? coming up out of the thing was that did that seem out of place to you yeah it did it was like just, are you kidding you know, it's a big starship you know it's big really fancy it. yeah it's like come on are you kidding me like i was waiting for him to go you know with his thumb or something or turbo you know i was like what what anyway i just thought that was i actually laughed in the theater when they did that because it was like funny I, I i just didn't it didn't have a place i don't know but that's just me and then and then i also kind of i hate to say keep ranking on it but i also didn't the, the bridge was just a little bit too big for me it's, yeah, it, it, it was really big, big bridge yeah it was like they're shouting at each other kind of like you know something about the d where they were close together you know i like to have having the couches it's got a much uh much more militaristic uh, look yeah. to it as well i agree um, like I say, like I say, just looking at some of the pictures here of the bridge, and it's got like a lot of posts and. Now, did they in it and, did they do a CGI of this one? Uh they also did. Yeah, they did CGI. They did a model, and then I think pretty much um, they used a lot of CGI as, CGI as well. I think possibly um, Nemesis. I think it might have been mostly all CGI, possibly. Wow. So boy, times have changed, didn't they? Yeah. Well, now um, in. In looking back at all the different enterprises that there have been, what's your favorite one, Jeff? Uh, it's it's a tough one because I really love the original Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Really love it, but if I'm just, you know what, I I kind of like that refit. I think the refit. It was pretty nice. Wasn't yeah, it? it was pretty nice. I I think you know if I have to pick one, it's the refit. That's cool. You, you've already tipped your hand. Yeah. D D's my baby. Yeah. That's very, very cool. All right. Well, why don't we do this, Jeff? Why don't we play um Vartok's um answer to the question? And then we'll come back and you can tell us a little bit about some of the collectible enterprises that you have, and then we'll close up. How's that sound? Sounds awesome. All right, hold on.
Hi everyone, this is Vartok again with the answer to the question posed earlier as to what does NTE and the protector's registration number NTE3120 stand for? Well, as you know, Galaxy Quest was an acknowledged homage to Star Trek. So it made sense that many of the themes and cues in the movie were created with Star Trek in mind. In the case of NTE, well, that stood for Not the Enterprise. What did the real Star Trek actors think of Galaxy Quest? Sir Patrick Stewart remarked, I had originally not wanted to see Galaxy Quest because I heard that it was making fun of Star Trek. And then Jonathan Frakes rang me up and said, You must not miss this movie. See it on Saturday night in a full theater. And I did. And of course I found it was brilliant. Brilliant! No one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did. But the idea that the ship was saved and all our heroes in that movie were saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand the scientific principles on which the ship worked was absolutely wonderful. And it was both funny and also touching in that it paid tribute to the dedication of these fans. David's music to Galaxy Quest tends to be monothematic. That is, the same theme is used many times over, being composed a little different each time. David relates, To me, the metamorphosis and characters or situation is the essence of narrative fiction, which is the basis of most movies. You can't have too much material because it gets in the way. Personally, I don't mind. I love the fast-paced French horns and the trumpet brass heroics of the main theme, and the spiritual choirs and the parts meant to inspire. Galaxy Quest commands an excellent 7.2 score out of 10 on the IMDb and an 89% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. As I said earlier, I really like Galaxy Quest and its music score, and it's a 9 out of 10 on the Varkometer scale. I highly recommend it. Well, that's it for this music and sci-fi segment. And now back to your hosts, Rick and Jeff. Well, as always, we certainly appreciate you, Vartok, and you put so much great research into your stuff, and you do such a great job. Anytime, my friend, just keep submitting your stuff to Treks and Sci-Fi, because we love listening to it. Yeah, it's great stuff. Isn't that fun? I love it when Vartok does stuff. It's great. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the collectibles you have when it comes to Enterprise. You've been, um, you found some great deals lately. Let's talk about them. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're great deals, but I found the <laughs> ships. So, um, Diamond Select or Art Asylum, um, they have the um, the classic Star Trek license uh-huh. for um, like um, Star Trek for to produce toys for Star Trek, which aren't um, the JJ first uh, toys. And um, over the last you know six or seven years, they've been producing um, uh, starships. Um, They've been kind of on a dry spell for the last few years, but uh, they've kind of come back with a, a vengeance in um, releasing these uh, these uh, Star Trek uh, Star Trek Enterprise or or different um, starships, and uh, they're kind of uh, you know they're a plastic toy um, built um, pretty 
reasonably close uh, for a toy to uh, what you would expect for a for uh, for a model or a good representation of uh, of an enterprise. And I'm going to talk about a few that I uh, I have. I've got um, a few more. I'm just going to talk about a few here, and then I'll talk about what is available. Um, these toys um, are about uh, they look about a foot long, so they're about a foot long. Um, Real nice looking, uh, really well done, uh, put together. The real cool things about these is they got electronics in them. So uh, the first one yeah. I'm going to talk about here is the USS Enterprise uh, from the original series. I'm holding it in my hand right now, and um, this one is based off the uh, just kind of the um, original series. They also have a version out, um, HD version, uh, when they did like kind of the CGI version of the ship, and then it's got a bunch of kind of panels and all this. But this one's kind of based off the kind of the original model, and uh, it kind of lights up. You press a little button on the top of the bridge, it lights up and it makes sounds. So I'll do a few here. So yeah, there's a there's a Captain Kirk, and he's uh, saying uh, battle stations there, and it, it kind of lights up. So that one's kind of cool. That's awesome. The next one I'm going to talk about here is uh, NCC 1701B. I just recently got this one. I got this one like a, a month and a half ago, something like that, a month ago. And um, to be honest, I originally wasn't going to buy it. I thought, oh, I don't think I'll get this one. But when I saw it in the store, I just I couldn't I couldn't hold myself back. I said, oh, I got to have this one. That's cool. And, uh, in an Excelsior class ship, like we talked, and uh, really, really nice detailing on it. Um, lots, uh, like I can see a lot of work went into this one. Uh, I can see why it took them so long to uh, come out with it. And the nice thing with these newer ships is I find that the the electronics on them are much better than the older ones. Like the Enterprise one, uh, the electronics are okay on it. Yeah. Um, but these uh, these newer ones, they they've really upped their game on the electronics. So. I'll run through a few of the uh, sounds for this one. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wouldn't be an enterprise without a Sulu at the helm. That's awesome. So that's really nice. Like the the, and if you hold down the bridge, that's the bridge is where you activate the uh, the sounds. Uh -huh. You hold it down for a few seconds, it'll actually just light up. So then you get to see all the lights. You know, like the nacelles will light up the nice blue, and then all the other kind of lights will light up as well. So it's oh, just that's awesome. A really like say a really nice ship. Hey, it might not be my favorite um, enterprise. Out but, there, but, but I really neat. like this uh, this kind of toy. And, now, uh, are are they super expensive, Jeff, or are these something that uh, your normal average person can grab a hold of for not too much? They're about uh, they're about sixty 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 dollars around the sixty to sixty to seventy dollar range. That's so. actually not so bad for what they do. Yeah, it's not too bad. Like for me, it costs a little more because I live in Canada. Oh so yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, it, it costs a bit more to get these but they're actually they're you know for what they are i think it's actually a pretty good uh you know you know if you want an enterprise um this is probably the way to go unless you want to build your own right um this is probably the way to go these are just really nice models and then the last one i'm going to talk about here is rick's least favorite enterprise the enterprise e 
oh. which I also just recently picked up. And uh, again, like say, I was just really, um, they had come out with this one a few years back and I never got it. I just missed out on it. And so they announced this like a few years ago that they're coming out with this again. And it was just like, and it took them forever and ever to come out with it. But I was so happy when they finally came out and uh, just looking at it, it's a real flat ship. Like, uh, you know, like when you look at like the, um, the other enterprises, they, they, you know, they're, you know, they're much more taller and this one's just a real sleek kind of thin kind of ship. Yeah. It looks like it would like, you know, just slide through things here. So I'll, I'll roll through a few of the uh, sound effects here. Okay. That's cool. So uh, that one's cool too. Yeah, very cool. So, does it have the captain's really cool yacht ships. on the bottom? Pardon me. Is there? Is, does it show the captain's yacht on the bottom? Uh, let me have a look here. Um, yes, it does. Sweet. It's nice. So they actually have quite a few because they've. Uh, I say this. Um, I also got a uh, the NCC seventeen oh one D. That's oh, a cool. Big, that's their biggest. Uh, ship you have my baby yeah and then i've got some uh, nx uh i got an nx01 as well does the d uh, light up really well is it cool okay uh the nx01 oh no it's okay it's no. one of their first ones they made so no the d one the d one the d yeah it lights up pretty well they actually uh you know like the nacelles all light up it's um the, the saucer the two hulls some um, uh -huh. separate so you can oh that's cool Real strong magnets on it too. Oh, that's great! So it holds on quite well. Also, they came out with um, an all good things uh, version of it too. With the oh my gosh, and oh all my the, gosh, uh, different cannons on it. Now so, that would be. Did you have that one? No, I don't have that one. That but, sounds like yeah. awesome. See that I we didn't talk about that really, and that's one of my favorites. Yeah, that uh, that uh, kind of concept uh, three nacelle uh, uh, Enterprise D. And then also they've come out with uh, uh, Klingon Bird of Prey. Mm, cool. And they also have, um, I don't have this, but they also have a, uh, also got, I believe, a. it's either a refit or an NCC-1701A as well. And I, I didn't Ooh. pick that up back then. I missed out on that. But they're coming out with the uh, uh, Wrath of Khan uh, refit as well Sweet. coming out next month. So uh, You better get that one. Yeah, I'm gonna pick up that one. So, but if a person's looking for the the ships, all of, like say pretty well, all of them are out right now. Like say they're gonna come out with another um, classic Enterprise again, uh, as well. So, persons looking to um, get these ships uh, from Diamond Select, um, they're they're out. They're gonna all be out in, within the next month. Like so, they'll release the classic Enterprise and the refit. So, and like say if a person's looking to have a real nice collection of. Um, of uh starships uh check out the diamond select uh line because uh they're really nice like so i'm really impressed with these ships uh like say so, i'm kind of happy i have them and uh that's great hope they keep on uh keep on making them because uh i just i one of the things that just really takes me away is just ships and i just love ships that's cool well see this is why we had to do this podcast yeah 
I and I always love listening to you talk about collectible stuff. You you are actually you and Rico are the first people that I've ever heard ever heard talk about it on the podcast. And and you guys have over the years done several things and I love that. So it's very very cool. So excellent. All right. Well, we've talked about the Enterprise all the different incarnations of it. I wonder what your favorite enterprise is. You should you should let us know. Email us. Do it. TrekSF at gmail.com. And I know Rico would love to get your email because he loves hearing some feedback. That would be so, so cool. And by the way, while we're here on the on the podcast, let's just say this. If you can help out with the podcast at all, I know Rico doesn't ask for this very often, but if you want to throw a donation his way, you certainly can. You just have to go to treksandsci-fi.com. There's a little donate button. You can click on it. It doesn't matter how small the, the donation is. If you if you get a kick out of this and it means something to you, send something over to him because I know he would appreciate that and it'd make him feel good too. So we want to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Now, we have talked a little bit before we started the podcast today. We, we were going to talk about all sorts of other shifts, but there wasn't enough time. So my... My idea here is, uh, what do you think if we try to convince Rico to let us come back and do um, non-human starships, like talk yeah. about more Federation starships, but not particularly um, like Enterprise, but other stuff like uh, like the aliens, like uh, Romulans and Klingons and yeah. and Borg. Oh my! Yeah, we gotta come back and do that, and then like say we gotta come back and do one on. Uh, other federation ships like yeah the, that too because the, there's all Voyager, sorts of or the reliant or yeah defiant or things all like that, that jazz so we'll, we'll see if we can come back and do a couple more uh, podcasts if if you guys think that's a good idea let us know just write to rico trek sf at gmail.com anything else you want to say jeff before we close down i just wish everyone a happy easter and uh and i hope they uh, everyone's doing well good me too all right, you guys, we're going to leave you with a, a fun song for all of you people that like to podcast and edit. Uh, I'm going to play a song that I wrote the other night um, that's hilarious. You will laugh, 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 and then you'll rock out. So thanks, everybody. Until next time, this is Rick Moyer and... This is Jedi Jeff, Jeff Job, saying goodbye and have an awesome day. To all my homies who like to edit. Yeah, see the shiny screen with the colored little bars. Spending so much time on them, I started seeing stars. Yo, edit, yo, edit, yo, edit, yeah, some more. Podcast or commercial, audiobook or DJ. I edit in the morning to the night and all day. You'd think my eyes would tire from cranking content higher. But no, my friend, I do it, cause to that I do aspire. Yo, edit, yo, edit. Yo, edit, click the mouse. So here's to all my homies with software that records. Let's make another soundbite and entertain the hordes. Check the mic, load the file. FTP takes quite a while. So watch out, world, it's coming out and coming out in style. Yo, edit, yo, edit, yo, edit, click the mouse. Yo, edit, yo, edit, yo, edit, click the mouse.
Thank you.